What's going on, listeners? Welcome back to Matt Goes to the Movies. First time listener, welcome. Hopefully this episode gets you to stick around. And if you've listened to the show before, welcome back. I'm joined by Rob today. You know him from a lot of episodes. Rob, Justice League, um, all of WandaVision. Rob's been with me for a lot. And we're here today to talk about Mortal Kombat. So Rob, welcome. Uh, yeah, it's great to be back. It's been a couple of weeks since uh, you know I've had a chance to be on an episode, and uh, I, I've been really looking forward to talking about it. I was I was definitely looking forward to this film when it came out, as I know you were. Yeah, it's uh, something that I was definitely anticipating. Uh, as a matter of fact, if any listeners follow me on Letterbox, this was actually one of my. Uh, like top 10 most anticipated films of the year ranked in at number six. Um, and little, you know, little disappointed with it for certain parts, but I, I did have a lot of hype going into it, but Rob, you know, what were your, like, what was your initial hype level for this movie when it was announced? You know, I was I was super excited about it because I have many, 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 many hours of my life spent on Mortal Kombat games, and uh, was just loved the series. Um, you know, definitely the the games have had some ups and downs as well. I was a big fan of the first film. Uh, the second one, uh, yeah, we don't really talk about that one, but you know, I really enjoyed it. And um, thinking about the advances in special effects, and thinking about the advances in film technology and filmmaking uh, since that that came out, um, and thinking about how important connected universes and intellectual property that can span multiple films and, and build film franchises. Thinking about how popular, I mean, what are we on Fast Nine now? Who would have thought that was a thing? Um, I, you know, to the ability to see a film like this, uh, come out and be good and, and create sequels and create buzz, um, was definitely something I couldn't wait for. And, you know, obviously the situation with COVID changed the world and, and, and made it very strange. And when we found out that pretty much all of Warner brothers, I actually all of Warner brothers was going to get released on HBO max for this year. Uh, including this film. Uh, but I was ecstatic about it because this is probably something I wouldn't have been able to see in theaters while it was still there. Um, so I was, I was so pumped. Um, and I actually have some thoughts about, you know, how the, how the viewing might've been different on this uh, sitting on my couch, as opposed to, uh, you know, being there in the theater, but Matt, you saw this in the theater. Am I right? Uh, no, actually I saw this. Um, I did see this at home. I was going to go to the theater actually to see this, but, uh, just the schedule for the day. Um, I ended up actually watching this with a group of people at the house actually. So I did not get to see this in the theater, but I have some thoughts on that as well, because I have actually been to the theater twice now, uh, since they've reopened for, Listeners of this show, Rob and I live uh, in New York State. We live in the Buffalo area where, you know, for us, Rob, theaters have been closed for the better part of a year. They reopened for a little bit and quickly, quickly shut back down in the area where we live. Um, but I've been to the theater twice, and I, I don't know if this would have changed my opinion a little bit because, boy, I got to tell you, being back in the theater felt fantastic, but... 
you know, this uh, this episode's not about that. It's about Mortal Kombat. So, you know, like you said, there's a lot of time that I've spent um, in the arcade. Uh, Rob, I, I mean, people would still know what an arcade is, right? Like, <laughs> um, it depends, you know, some, uh, some of, some of our listeners who are, um, you know, in their twenties, um, won't have the same fondness for the arcades, uh, that, that you and I do. And anybody in their thirties, forties or fifties will certainly know, um, what it was like going to the arcade. I can remember as a kid, like, you know, if we're going to the mall, like at some point I was going to be begging my parents to give me, you know, like five bucks. And I'd take it down to with this place called Aladdin's castle in, in the mall. I went to as a kid I'd throw it in the token machine. And, um, you know, Mortal Kombat was certainly one of the ones that, uh, that I was looking for, um, you know, quick story, you know, just about how important this, this film is in, in these games. I can remember I was in an airport in sixth grade on my way to Orlando with my family for the first time we were going to Disney world and the airport had just, the arcade there had just put in mortal Kombat two. This was the first time I had seen a cabinet from mortal Kombat two. And I couldn't believe it. Like, it was like, oh, my God, of all places. So, I, you know, I'm pumping quarters into this thing. And, I, you know, obviously, I don't know who any of these new characters are. I don't know any of their moves. And I'm trying to just figure things out. I'm sticking with Scorpion because I know his stuff. And I'm sticking with Sub-Zero because I know how to do most of his stuff. And I, I, it was amazing. I couldn't, you know. So then having to wait two or three weeks to get back to my friends once uh, winter break was over to talk about how cool this was. Like, those are the things that like my kids will never understand. You know, they'll be on Facebook messenger immediately, like taking selfies, like, look at me, you know, and click and, and away it goes. But you know, the, um, you know, the, the, to remember the arcade days where people would stack coins up on there and the winner would stay on. And then the that oh, person lost God. and the next person would come up, you know, and just, there would be these guys that were legends. Like you would see them in the arcade be like, well, I'm going to wait till he's not there anymore. Cause I'm not wasting my money. I'm just going to get my ass kicked. Like, you know, th- th- you just knew there were certain guys that you just did not want to face, especially when they had their one or two, you know, mains that they would always use that you're just like, well, he's got Molina. I'm done. Like there's no point in me even bothering here. Yeah. I, uh, the arcade for me, like, you know, anybody who's been to like a Dave and Buster's or something like that, you know, um, for us, that's not an arcade. Granted, I love going to Dave and Buster's. <laughs> I have, I, I have sure. a lot of fun. But yeah, an old school arcade when I was young, um, you know, I went to uh, the McKinley Mall and we had the, the Boardwalk Boulevard Arcade, which was pretty significantly large it had two floors but yeah i remember mortal Kombat was on the top was on the top level floor the second floor of this arcade and there would just be like you said i mean it, kids would be in line with quarters lined up or in you know the first you know three or four kids would put their quarter on the machine and then everybody else was standing in line like nowadays kids won't you know stand in line for three seconds to you know what I do anything. Um, but you know, I just remember like you'd sit there and wait to get your turn to play that game because it was just mortal Kombat when it was first out was just everything, especially in the arcade. It was crazy. Um, such a great fond memory. And part of this movie takes me back because there's some really good fan service in it. Um, 
but also some of it suffers from what I call the um, amazing Spider-Man two syndrome. And we can get into that a little bit later, but Oh yeah. Um, Rob, let's start with, I think let, let's start talking about the movie um, at like actually in depth. And for anybody that hasn't seen it, uh, I, I think we've really kind of given our spoiler free thoughts about part of the movie. So Here's where spoilers are going to come into play. If you haven't seen the movie, you don't want to be spoiled. This is where you pause it, uh, come back, and then listen to this part after you've seen the movie. But, you know, Rob, right off the bat, one thing that just I think you and I both agreed on is the inclusion of the studio character, Cole Young, who is the main protagonist, which did not work for me because this guy has uh, he has no charisma. Um, I don't remember seeing him in anything else, but just nothing about him stands out to me. Uh, he feels super forced. I think you could have still done this story without him in it, but it's one of those things where it's been verbally stated this was a mandated studio character that they wanted in this movie. So what are your thoughts on him specifically? So as a as somebody who can remember playing the original game, the second game, the third game, spent, like I said, many hours, uh, especially on the, the ultimate edition of the third game. Oh, God, um, the greatest. <sighs> oh, well... So we're going to talk about that for a second. Um, the third one where you had the, the team ups and you could do, you know, triple teams and things like that. Like that was many hours of my life as a college freshman was playing that game against just guys up and down up in uh, my dorm that I lived in was, was, you know, the triple teams and the double teams and things like that. Um, so you think about, and, and, and maybe this is different for, somebody who hasn't spent the time playing Mortal Kombat, doesn't have the emotional attachment, doesn't really have it as something that's been there throughout, you know, their, their childhood into their adulthood. Um, you've got this deep roster of characters and they certainly get a lot of fan favorite characters included in this first film. Um, you get this deep roster and you go with somebody who's not from the games as your main character and his 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 character is okay so he's an MMA fighter who's a former champion and he has a family okay that's it. that's it that's the whole character like he can, he can get punched yeah don't, uh, don't he, forget he's that to throw the uppercut yeah he's supposed <laughs> to throw the uppercut like it, it just it, there was no reason for that like if you just i think Matt to your point if you had just cut him out completely and focused this film on Sonya like let's make her like make her the main character, right? Or had they decided that instead of Cole, that was actually going to be Johnny Cage? Uh, it's probably better. Like I don't know. I think there's a lot of fan service throughout this film. At times, it's obvious fan service that is it's only there for the sake of fan service, and it doesn't really work. At other times, it it's it actually really does for me, and and we'll, we'll get to it here and there. Um, but the, the choice of, of somebody off the board, um, I don't want to say that you could not have made that work. It's definitely a choice that um, the fans are going to go, why did you do that? Like, you could have picked anybody. You could have picked any of these, you know, 75 characters they've had over the years. And you go in with somebody that we've never heard of before, and you don't even bother to make him compelling. 
Um, there, I mean, like really what's, I, I think for a lot of people, if, if you, you know, when they talk about this movie, they probably don't even remember that his name is Cole Young. Yeah. Like, <laughs> without having Wikipedia in front of me, I'm not even sure I would have remembered that. Yeah, I, uh, I totally agree. I thought he was, again, like you said, you have this just robust roster of characters uh, from the games that you could have plucked anybody, even maybe somebody that isn't extremely, you know, popular in the upper echelon of the characters. You know, you could have taken somebody like Stryker even, um, made you know maybe made him one of the main protagonists of this of this movie but to sit there and have for some reason the studio mandate that this character has to be included and maybe they're trying for that element where oh well we want to have some of this where the audience can attach this character because he's got a family and he's trying to defend his you know his wife and daughter which doesn't really like it doesn't do anything for me in this movie. So if that's what they were trying to go for, it, it certainly didn't work. Um, and we can get to him a little bit more. Um, but one thing that does work, I think in any scene that they're in and this movie opens with it, I don't think you can ever go wrong with Scorpion and Sub-Zero and the opening scene I really liked. It's definitely brutal. It sets the stage for what we're going to see in this movie. They don't shy away from it. Um, I will say that I'm disappointed that we do not get a return until the end of the movie, which later on, that was awesome. Um, total adrenaline rush. But the opening scene certainly sets the stage for what we're supposed to see in this movie and the violence. And I thought that was really well done. There's definitely some really great shots in this movie. Uh, the opening where Scorpion's clan lives being one of them. I think the scenery is amazing. I do think the cinematography, the camera work, uh, the violence is very well done. Rob, your thoughts on how this movie opens. You know, for me, there's parts of this opening scene I feel drag a lot, though. Like, it's kind of like, okay, we, we see what's going on here. Like, get on with it already. And, you know, I think, as I said, I think there's times where the fan service is there for the sake of fan service. Like, literally, I'm, I'm picturing for like 18 different times of this movie, just a bunch of people sitting on their couches pointing at the TV like Leo from Once Upon a <laughs> Time in Hollywood. Like, hey, that's it. You know, that's the thing. You know, like if their wives or girlfriends are sitting next to them who have obviously most likely never played Mortal Kombat, I don't want to assume, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to say most, you know, people who's watching this, their wives and girlfriends have not played a lot of Mortal Kombat. You know, they're like tapping her on the arm saying, that's the thing, you know, like when she's poking the ground with the, the gardening tool that eventually becomes the spear, like, you know, right. that's, that's the spear thing. That's going to turn into the spear. Like that's, it kind of feels a little like fan service and, and right at the beginning, you know, we, we kill off the kid and, um, I hate movies that do that. Like just right at the beginning, like it's, I, I think it could just be because I am a dad, like that stuff just pulls me out of the movie, but the opening scene does really drag out at times. The opening fight is very brutal at times. Um, I got to say though, like I, I'm not a huge fan of the overall choreography and the cinematography mm -hmm. I think could have been a little better in this opening scene. It's hard to tell really what's going on in this at times, and I and I think they focus on the wrong elements. Um, 
it, when they're playing with the rope dart, like that's that's a very compelling weapon. We don't see use a lot. It's it's very common in in Chinese style martial arts, but it's not. You don't see that particular weapon used a lot in American cinema. And I think there was a lot more they could have done with it. Um, I, you know, I just, it was not my favorite fight of, of this film. Um, it, certainly the, the brutality of it to start it was, was really cool. And, and I think that, I think that what this shows you is just another example of what a miss it is to focus on, you know, this made up character Cole Young, when so much of Mortal Kombat is about the rivalry uh, between Sub-Zero and Scorpion, like if you had based your movie on that, like that's a much better movie. That's a much more compelling movie. Yeah. I, I think again, there's, there's some changes that definitely could have been made. Uh, you know, one of them we're, we're talking about these characters, Scorpion and Sub-Zero, and there's, there's a lot of mainstays in this movie. One of the things that this movie does, and again, we can talk about these characters, but some of the casting, what it did was it made me appreciate the very first Mortal Kombat movie more because the <laughs> actors that were picked for their roles, I feel, fill those shoes much better than some of the actors that are in this movie. One of them that is the exception to that rule, though, is Kano. He is played by Josh Lawson, and this guy, whoever wrote the dialogue for Kano, bravo, because this guy is <laughs> freaking hysterical. Anytime he talks, he's amazing. I literally did not expect to laugh in a Mortal Kombat movie. Uh, he was... I loved him. I thought he was such a great addition and how they had Kano portrayed in this movie compared to how we've seen him in Mortal Kombat. Now, he lines up with the Kano that we know, uh, but his initial introduction and his initial interactions, I, I thought were great. I he's one cast member that I said, yeah, the movie nails it compared to, to 1995. Uh, loved Kano. Uh, I'm going to, you know, absolutely co-sign everything that you've said. Certainly, uh, I'm going to assume a lot of listeners have seen the memes that are going around, basically uh, talking about uh, how Kano's back must be sore from carrying this whole movie on his shoulders. Um, you know, there's there's not a lot here. Like, this is not a movie I'm going to rewatch 18 times. The reasons I would rewatch this movie are mostly for the Kano scenes. What I what I really hope for is that we eventually get either an extended cut or a DVD that's got a bunch of deleted scenes or a gag reel or, you know, just um, any number of those, you know, DVD Blu-ray extras where they just have him do a line of Rama where he just tries one line after another after another for the same scene. And then eventually they choose the line they want. Like, I just want that. Like, give me that. I, I won't necessarily rewatch this movie ever again, but I would watch one of those of just, you know, Josh Lawson just trying like four or five different lines for each situation and just dying laughing because I, yeah, I was not expecting to really dig it, but it's, it, it continues throughout and he's um, there's really not a joke that just completely falls flat and it feels in character um, and it's laugh out loud funny. Yeah, it, it definitely is everything. And that's, that's hard to do in a movie like this. It's hard to do 
in any movie where everything feels genuine and it doesn't feel out of place that this character would be cracking jokes right now. Uh, but with Kano and the way that they cast him and the dialogue that they write for him, it, it works. It works really well. And I loved it. So he's an A plus in my book, but Rob, you brought something up where you said, you know, I'm not going to sit here and rewatch this 18 times. I don't know if that's a, joke to my uh love of the snyder cut how many times i've watched that but um to, to me it perfectly sums up though this movie as a whole to me is a youtube clip where i would really never rewatch this movie now granted if somebody was like hey we're watching mortal Kombat," and i was hanging out with friends i'm not going to be like well i'm gonna leave i'll see you guys later i don't like what you're doing um <laughs> But I'm certainly not going to throw it on myself. I probably even, if for some reason it was, you know, one of those movies that you you walk by the TV and it's on, I don't know that I would stop and sit down to watch this movie. What I would do, though, is I would target YouTube to watch some clips of this movie. And that's that's my biggest issue, is this is a, a YouTube movie where it's good in parts but it can't carry the weight of its whole you can probably um you could probably get all the best parts of this movie condensed into about 30 minutes and watch it all on youtube and it's going to be basically every scene kano's in probably every scene cabal's in um <laughs> I, I actually probably the the fatalities because they're, they're kind of cool the final fight is is i actually like that last scene um, and I'm going to throw some love to the actress that plays Sonya Blade, Jessica McNamee. I actually find her really good in this. Um, I actually thought she was a, another bright spot. There's there's some really bad acting, uh, but there's actually some some pretty good acting too. And uh, it's not just Josh Lawson as Kano. I actually think that um, Jessica McNamee. I I found her really good. Actually, I was uh, I don't recognize her from anything else, but um, yeah, I I she looks the part of Sonya. Um, and I really like what she did. Yeah, I like her too. I think she is good. I, you know, part of my, my issue though is, and it's nothing to do with her. It's the way her character is written. She's basically almost the narrator and it's probably going to sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here because I do like the fact that this is, there's so much lore in this movie about what Mortal Kombat is. You certainly see, you know, news clippings and she's been investigating that there's this tournament. And if they, you know, if they win 10, then they can invade earth. I really did like how this movie was set more so than, you know, like with the 1995 film, which I like a lot. I went back and rewatched after, you know, watching this, Again, it went really kind of with a campy vibe, so to speak. It was good. I liked it. But I like how this movie is kind of grounded, so to speak, even though we're dealing with characters who can come back from hell and can create, you know, ice swords with their hands and their powers and whatnot. But I did like how they tried to explain that this is a universe. There's other worlds. 
I did like that. I didn't like that for the most part. Originally, she was regulated to basically being our narrator of, well, hey, this is what's going on. You know, there's that whole scene where she kind of like lays out the plot of the film um, and just kind of goes into the back. And it's um, it's just kind of like the whole thing is just sort of thrown out there. And, and it's it's very much a vibe of, OK, audience, this is for your benefit, not necessarily the character of Cole. Uh, just go with it. Don't ask a lot of questions. We're basically just giving. Uh, the briefest of reasons why we're going to have a bunch of fight scenes in this movie and people are going to get cut in half. You cool? Cool. All right. We're doing this now. And I actually think that there's this movie at times, I think has an identity crisis because it doesn't know if it's supposed to be a bad movie. That's actually a lot of fun or if it's actually trying to be a good movie. And it reminds me a lot of Batman V Superman in that it's, it's really not a good movie. Um, but it thinks it is like it. There's parts of this that should definitely lean into the goofiness, you know, just, just go, just go for it, go right, right. for the campy, just goofy out, off the wall, just the zaniness, you know, like a person gets cut in half with a table saw style, you know, hat with a razor blade on it. Like, that's a thing that happens. So like trying to play it off as serious too, almost at times doesn't work. Like I, I, I just kind of wish they would have just really leaned hard on just the, the off the wall weirdness. Um, and I think it would have been a better movie because towards the end of this film, when once the fights really start happening, it does lean into that camp. And it works better than the first half of the movie where it tries to pretend to be serious, at least at least in my eye. Yeah, no, I, I think it does start to lend itself to being a better movie. Again, we, we talked about fan service. One of the fan service things is, and I remember seeing people just rage. I love that they reference when Kano is getting... <laughs> the sweep and they're just constantly taking him down he's like is that the only move that you know that was like I, rob i don't know if you ever saw anybody in the arcade actually like freak out about that but i remember witnessing a guy just raging because someone was spamming the sweep kick um i love that they brought that up like from a personal experience level like that made me chuckle um, absolutely. I, I, um, immediately thought of that when I saw it, just, you know, the stupid leg sweep that just knocks you on your backside and it's, you know, there's really only one way to avoid it. Or there's a couple, you could walk backwards or you could sort of duck and block or jump over it. But it's, it is like the cheapest of cheap moves. Everybody knows what it is. If you play the game, everybody hates it. Everybody knows somebody that just did it over and over again. And to see them kind of go a little meta um, was a lot of fun for me. And then it's immediately followed by one of Kano's best lines. And I'm going to paraphrase because this is a family show. Um, <laughs> and he says, put a shirt on magic, Mike. Oh my God. I'm yeah. dying. Like just thinking about it now. <laughs> it's, it was so perfect. Um, I, you know, there, it definitely was a great fan service moment. Yeah, definitely. Uh, there's one other one, and it's going back because when we are first introduced to Cole and we watch him with the, you know, we watch him lose the fight and everything like that. 
Uh, we can we talk about it. how that's not an actual submission, by the way? Oh yeah, like I, he just kind of pulls on his head, like like you you couldn't have just sort of like ducked your, the back of your neck under his arm, like that's that's not a that's not a real submission. But I well, digress. He he has no you know he has no will to fight once it's 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 <laughs> tough. That's part of his character arc. Um, yeah, <laughs> I uh, my my son is eight and he knows how to escape that. Yeah, I, I really have a lot of disdain for the character, not the guy. Because again, we've talked about on we've talked about this kind of thing on the show. I, I don't oh, yeah. care about the actor, anything like that. The character that is written for this guy, I just cannot stand. I cannot get behind him. But because of this and his lineage to Scorpion we get introduced to Sub-Zero, which I thought his scene where he just walks down the street and creates the ice shower. And by the way, absolutely, there's only like one person, if you really watch that scene, he obliterates this random guy with an ice ball. Like, like <laughs> just basic, like, if the guy is not dead, he's in a coma for a decade like he just gets obliterated with this ice ball but he pursues cole this is when he meets jacks who really looks like steve harvey um in the one promotional <laughs> like if you, if you, that's a that's another meme that happened with this movie is the actor that plays jacks uh, um his name is Makad Brooks, if I pronounced his first name right. Um, there's a meme where he looks exactly like Steve Harvey, but he pursues Cole, introduces himself, and says that he's marked because of the Mortal Kombat um, birthmark. But we get a fight scene between Jax and Sub-Zero where in the background, Sub-Zero's finisher is written on the wall, um, which is you can blink and you can miss it, which I thought was kind of cool. Like, why would you have that there? But again, just a little wink to the audience that I think works. Um, but the end of this fight, I, I like Sub-Zero a lot. I think his and Scorpion's costumes in this movie are great, but this is how Jax is eventually going to get his arms, which I cannot rob. I cannot stand that scene where he gets his actual, his adult arms and not his baby boy arms that look ridiculous. <laughs> um, I cannot, oh, I can't even yeah. begin to stand that scene. Um, but you get a pretty good interaction between Jax and Sub-Zero and you see the, the extent of Sub-Zero's, you know, powers. And I thought that was really cool. I liked watching him manipulate water and creating ice and everything like that. I thought that was really well done, even though it introduces us to why Jax is going to have his metal arms, which I think is ridiculous in this movie. Yeah, when you see him kind of start to have his arms frozen, that's another one of those fan service moments. Like, ah, this is how he loses them. You know, this is how he ends up with the metal ones. And then later on, he ends up with what can only be described as inspired by, you know, Deadpool's baby legs. Like, that's right. that's the yeah. first thing I thought of. And and now that I've said that, you'll never be able to rewatch this movie and not think of Deadpool's baby legs when you see his stupid baby arms that look just ridiculous. Um, I got to say, there's... How do you even film that? Effect. Like, how do you uh, even film you, that with, scene? With a straight when, face. 
Right. When he's punching that punching bag with those baby, I'm, I'm going to refer to him as baby arms. Like, how right. do you film that? <laughs> like, I don't even understand how you can film that scene, let alone film it, watch it and say, yes, that's staying in the movie because it looks ridiculous. It's it's one of those things. Like I said, um, this is this is not a good movie that doesn't know that it's not a good movie. Like those are the kinds of decisions that happen when you're a bad movie that that doesn't understand what you're supposed to be and, and how you're supposed to do it. Um, there's from a special effects standpoint, there is some phenomenal disaster makeup. There is some phenomenal, you know, cuts and bruises and gashes and, and the things that they do from a, a practical effects standpoint with makeup uh, that are tremendous in this film. And then there is some CG that is outright inexcusable in 2021 from a major studio, like just inexcusable. Um, Goro is Goro? Times, is Goro? <laughs> yeah. At times, Goro reminded me of how bad, if you remember the second, you know, the mummy movie with the Scorpion King, where the rock comes out as the Scorpion King yep. at, at the end of the movie and looks like he's made of plastic. Like that's, that's the first thing I thought of like, oh my God, how is this, how is it, how is this happening? Like, how does a major studio release this? How does this get greenlit? It's, terrible and it's it's just one example but there's there's plenty of other times where the cg just looks absolutely grad school level yeah goro looked like a playstation 3 cutscene. like (laughs) i i don't understand and going back again goro in 1995 again my personal opinion looks better than this movie in 2021 2020 when you know when this movie was filmed uh i i just don't understand how in 1995 that goro looks infinitely better than this one it's it makes no sense at all um now i will say that it's right around this time when when you when goro shows up it's right around this time that i think the film actually does start to get a little better for me and that's because this is when it starts to get kind of goofy we start getting the gory over the top um uh, fatalities uh the way that he gets taken out it's very brutal it's super violent and it actually works really well even though it does the cg up to that point was terrible but we start getting more of that it's right around this time it's you know it's a bunch of scenes uh cut together um that's when we get kind of the table saw hat razor blade fatality that, that actually is kind of cool um but there's, you know, this is really what the movie should have tried to have been the whole time. Uh, it shouldn't have been trying to, as you know, pretend that it and take itself too seriously. It, it should have just leaned into this. Yeah. I, so can we talk about too, um, because where this movie starts to get good, it, it's right after Shang Tsung and his warriors invade the temple and I have to tell you that when I was watching this, I was watching this with probably, I think it was, it was anywhere from like seven to nine people um, that we were watching this movie together. And it was a mixture, uh, you know, couple guys, couple girls, a couple different age groups here. And we had to pause the movie because during this confrontation, we had a line from Cabal, which cracked us all up. 
where we were just dying laughing and we had to pause the movie because we weren't paying attention. But I don't know if they intended it or if this guy just kind of ad-libbed. But Rob, the way that he sits there and he goes, ha, he's about to get his soul sucked. Like, I don't know why, but it caught all of us like completely (laughs) off guard. And I just, I remember we all were dying laughing and we paused the movie because we were just like, we just kept looking at each other going, it shouldn't like, I don't think he needed to say it like that, but it just, for for whatever reason, it just caught us. Um, yeah, you got to imagine, especially because, you know, it wasn't the line wasn't being said live. That was pre-recorded. Like he had a bunch of different ways they could have done that. And they could have sat down and watched it in editing and and had this, the actor just go back into any studio anywhere. Literally, he could have just recorded it into his phone and done a different version that probably would have made a little more sense. But I will say, you know, referencing the, the soul sucking, um, it, it's a fan service for sure. But holy cow, is it really well done? I mean, it is. Yeah. If you if you if you go back to the second, you know, Mortal Kombat game, and you remember what that finishing move looked like for Shang Sun, um, it's it's like it's super accurate, and it really works well. And and like I said, it's right around this time when the movie just lets its freak flag fly that yeah. it starts to actually work. Yeah. You get the the dragon fatality from Liu Kang, which again looks it, when this movie is Mortal Combat, it works. When this movie is Cole Young, it it absolutely does not work, and because Cole Young is the main character of this movie, more of this movie doesn't work then does work which is a shame yeah absolutely um there's so many great parts um you know through this though and, and like like i said some of the some of the fan service i think is really great some of it is not did we really need kung lao saying flawless victory like uh, that's a bit on the nose for me that's a bit right much, you know like when when kano um pulls reptiles heart out which is great that they included his finishing move uh, from the first game. Um, but do we need him going Kano wins? Like um, that's, that's probably too much. Right, um, exactly. Especially when you're, you're trying to present yourself somewhat seriously. Um, that's where it's identity whole, crisis comes in. Exactly. For- and, and the whole just kind of, you know, you got to bring out your arcana. Like I I'd referenced the Deadpool film earlier, but it just immediately went, Oh, this is ripped off from Deadpool. They're just going to put you through hell. They're going to kind of torture you. They're going to beat you up. They're going to put you through pain until you develop your mutant ability. Like that's really what it felt like right. to me. And I'm like, this is, this is dumb. And then somehow Jax's, you know, ability is he gets vibranium arms instead of his baby arms. Like so that- what, if he didn't, ha- right, like, if he had normal arms, what would it be? Just really big normal arms? Like, all, <laughs> like, like, yeah. <laughs> I, I just, uh, yeah, I didn't get that. And then, again, just part of the, some of that, that CGI, when he gets those arms, it does, it does not look good at all. Like it just, it is not visually appealing. Um, 
Which again, and Cole's is, uh, Cole's abilities, he gets a, a fancy gold Under Armour rash guard. Like, right? That's what he gets. Like, really? Right. With with the arm spears, like, yeah, oh. he gets the tonfas. Uh, okay, I guess that part's maybe a little cool, but I don't know. Um, it it kind of feels like they sat around the writers' room and just threw darts at a wall and whatever it landed on. Like, yeah, that's yeah, that's good enough. Right. You know, let's let's backtrack here for one second because the other thing too i again i liked her i thought she was good i don't like the fact that she was treated as an afterthought and was was sonia like oh if you defeat somebody you can take their like i don't know maybe i was missing the point of what that was supposed to mean but i I didn't like it. I, I didn't like the fact that Sonya had to beat somebody. And before that, she was looked on like she was looked down on. Like they even say that when he's like, nope, you can't train here. Boys only. He doesn't say that exact line, but. Well, it's it's implied almost. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I think um, it sort of diminished how cool of a character she was um, because she actually has some pretty badass fights at, at different points of this. There's right. There's exactly. the one where she, where they're walking through the desert and um, you know, she and Kano kind of get into it real quick. It's, it's a quick moment, but it's actually really good. And I think it shows her, um, you know, it shows her as a, as a very tough, formidable warrior. I mean, right, she really right. is throughout this. Like she, she represents herself very well. And uh, I'll tell you the one thing that I absolutely love that they didn't do is when she does win a fight that she's probably outmatched in. It's not because she does this stupid flying scissor, grab the shoulder thing and flip you on your head. That's literally every single fight black widow has ever been in. She does like that's, mm -hmm. that's kind of the go-to in Hollywood. When you need a woman to take out a bigger, strong man, you kind of have her do the flying scissor thing where she grabs the shoulders and whips them around. And that's how she takes them out. Like they didn't do that. And I was thrilled about that. Like they actually made her a formidable opponent and would it have been better if she already had the marking before we meet her? I kind of think it would have been. I know what they were trying to do by having her earn it throughout the film by taking out uh, somebody who had it. Um, I didn't. I just didn't like how she was dismissed, though, by by the guys that are supposed to be our heroes. Right, and you know, we talked about in the beginning. Well, I mentioned it that to me, this movie has what I call the amazing Spider-Man two syndrome. And what I mean yep. by that is amazing Spider-Man two feels like a trailer for the sinister six. And this movie feels like when you like step back a trailer for mortal Kombat two. And the director has said that his plan is first movie is pre-tournament. Second movie is the tournament third movie is post-tournament and i'm kind of confused by that because okay so if the second movie is going to be the tournament shang song obviously doesn't care so why all of a sudden now would he sit there and be like okay i tried to take people there and kill earth warriors and that didn't work 
but now all of a sudden I beat him in a tournament. Like, why wouldn't he just be shady again and come back with like an army and just invade or whatever the case may be? And again, maybe I'm missing something, but I just, the way that this movie played out, I don't understand why he would be okay with a tournament in the second movie and being like, oh, okay, well, now I'll follow the rules. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. And that's kind of what I mean by when I say this movie should have just leaned into the goofiness, because when you start trying to ask questions, when you start trying to make sense of the plot or why anybody's doing anything, you don't get a lot of good answers, which is why you should basically leave your plot very vague. It's a tournament. They're going to fight. Some people are going to die. Some people are going to get, you know, bit in half by a giant, you know, animal of some kind. Someone's going to get burned. Someone's going to get stabbed. We're, we're going to have body parts just laying a strew by the end of this film. Uh, don't think about it too much. Just, just come for the fights. Like that's why they should have just stuck with that. And it's, you know, there's a couple different ways you can approach the idea of, planning out future films before you actually focus on making a good film, which this is not a good film. Um, You can look at something as recently, and this has been in the news a lot lately where JJ Abrams has come out and said, yeah, we didn't really plan out star Wars. Um, We probably should have. Um, Right. And there's, and, 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 you know, we very recently discussed uh, the the star Wars uh, saga, which listeners, if you've not go check it out two episodes, there's three of us really breaking it down, having a great time. It's, it's some of the most fun I've ever had. Um, And, you know, he certainly, and you can tell, you know, we tell, we spent a lot of time talking about how there is such a noticeable difference between the first and the second film and the second film to the third film and the third film of the sequel trilogy feels like a true sequel to the first film. So, and you can see where something like DC, also on the you know HBO Max, they they didn't really have a great plan for how they were going to do things. That it's it's very hit or miss. So, you can you can certainly find examples where not having a real strategy before moving on to multiple films in your franchises is definitely a detriment, uh, especially when you look at the very in-depth plans uh, that the MCU has had and the wild success that they've had. I mean, it's, you know, that's the, one of the most dominant forms of of popular culture right now is anything related to Marvel. Um, So I I think you kind of have to have a balance. You have to make plans, but if you're going to make plans, one of the things you should plan to do is make one good movie that people actually like and would be excited about a continuation of, which I don't know you can say really happened here. I think if the studio wants to green light a second film, um, I think they'll get it. You know, I, th- I think that Mortal Kombat as a property is valuable enough where people are going to line up to see it, um, especially if you can get some some names attached to it that people are going to be interested in. I, I don't really know that you go through the, the list of actors in this film and, and recognize them from much. Uh, if anything, um, I, I can't tell you that I can remember seeing any of these actors in, in anything I've seen before. Um, if you get guy, Johnny Cage and you get what's the that? guy, who, the guy who plays Shang Tsung is the mob boss in um, the dark Knight who takes the money. Okay. 
yeah, it's been a while since I've seen it, so I definitely didn't recognize him. <laughs> uh, actually, he's 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 quite good. You know, I, I actually kind of liked him. I, I think he I think he balanced it perfectly between, you know, some of the goofier nature of of what he was trying to deliver and, and the serious tone the film was trying to take. Um, but um, yeah, if you can if you get your casting right for your next film, um, if you bring some of those characters in that we didn't see. Uh, that are part of the, you know, the the lore of Mortal Kombat and some of the fan favorites that that weren't included in this. Um, and you get the casting right, and you get people excited. Um, I think you're going to get a second film for sure. And and this might be one of those ones where they film two and three simultaneously and release them, you know, a year apart. I, I, I could see that definitely happening here. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's. A, a foregone conclusion that we will at least get number two because this movie actually um, was successful. It was a hit on HBO Max. It has gotten its budget back from the theaters. So I don't, th- and again, generally speaking, it doesn't have the highest reviews. But it is certainly nowhere close to like, uh, oh, geez, so many people didn't like this movie that we could never warrant getting a sequel because nobody would just go, like nobody would go see it. Um, so I think that there's probably no doubt that we would get a sequel to this movie. Um, but to me, the way that this movie panned out and we just kind of touched on this a minute ago is the first movie should have been the tournament and the second movie should have been almost following exactly what, um, excuse me. I'm trying, I'm, I'm fighting this. I don't think the words are allowed to come out of my mouth, but like what mortal (laughs) Kombat annihilation was where it should be exactly. I know, uh, where it should be that, okay, we lost. And now I'm just like, now I'm just going to invade. Uh, obviously annihilation is, Jeez, I will actually watch that movie because I it's like Batman and Robin to me. I just I want to just one day be able to go. Please just tell me. Let's sit down with whatever your drink of choice is. Please tell me what you were doing. Please watch. (laughs) Watch. Watch this with me right now. And you tell me your honest, unfiltered thoughts about what was going on. Um, were you having a rough time in life? Because what, what was this? Um, well, but if you think back to, me, to the illustrious this... history of trying to adapt, if, if you, if you think about the illustrious history of trying to adapt video games to movies, um, there's, it's not good. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's not good at all. Like you have super Mario brothers, <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog, which you recently reviewed. Uh, Street Fighter, which is one of the worst movies ever conceived of. I mean, to to think about the insane amounts of cocaine that had to have been yeah. consumed on set for them to continue on. Um, you have things like you, Tomb Raider, which wasn't terrible. Well, Rob, that's a real thing. Jean Claude Van oh, yeah. Damme was pay, was spending like ten thousand dollars in cocaine <laughs> while he was doing that movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> And to think that that oh was Raul God. Julia's last movie ever is is quite awful. Um, yeah. But, you know, Resident Evil, not a great film franchise overall. Um, it's you know, it's the most successful one of all time. 
which is weird to think you, you have things like double dragon, you know, silent Hill is in there and you know, max Payne, not a good movie. Like nope. as I'm trying to think if there's a dead or alive was a film. Um, house, terrible, house of like, the dead. Prince oh, of yeah, Persia. Also terrible. Assassin's oh God, Creed. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. I guess maybe Assassin's Creed is among the best you can think of. Like, man, it's, it's really like Hitman was a movie. Like there's, twice really not coming up yeah and you're really not coming up with a lot of of adaptions of of video games that have turned into anything like that you're happy about Uh, it 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 kind of makes me worried a little bit for uh uncharted like who boy i i want that to be good like i really want that to be good um i'm kind of worried that i just went through this list that i was thinking of yeah, it's uh, you know they certainly don't have the best track record, but uh, again, that's uh, Rob. I said it to you, and I'll I'll state it here while we're we're talking about the movie for the listeners. This movie made me go back and watch the 1995 Mortal Kombat, and for me, that movie is, and again, it's not a good movie. But for what it does and for what it represents itself as, I think that is the best representation of a, you know, a comic or a video game property that works because I can watch that from start to finish and I really don't have any complaints about that movie. I just watch it. I have a good time. And I I go about my business Uh, with this. I think it's because you, again, you can see, you can see so much potential in this movie. Um, And then it turns out to be, you know, who anybody who watches football, it turns out to be Ryan Leaf at number two. Like (laughs) it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. I think there's definitely some good ideas. There were some good things that they tried to do. Um, it makes you wonder how much studio interference there really was uh, outside of, you know, shoehorning in a character that's not based on anything that, that we've seen before. Um, were there certain things they said, okay, the script must contain this. Like, you know, when Scorpion says, get over here, dude speaks no English. He speaks Japanese the entire film. Doesn't speak any Chinese. He even says, I don't understand your words. And he says them in right. Japanese. And somehow he says, get over here in perfect English. That's one of those moments that I I would love to hear from somebody who did see this in a theater because I would want to know what was the reaction. Because I think I think that line, the way it was presented, the way it was delivered, the way it was set up, was entirely designed to make a packed theater respond. Right. Because exactly. when you're sitting on your couch, it's just lame. Like it's just lame. Um, a packed theater. You're high five and the guy next to you that you've never met and be like, ah, he said the line, he did the thing, you know, and you're and you're losing your mind. Especially too, because of the fact that right there is actually again, like my adrenaline kind of got pumping because of the fact the remix that they do of the Mortal Kombat theme when Scorpion shows up as Scorpion at the end, I started to go okay, well, all right, we're going to get, I don't know, 10 minutes and, uh, okay, like, 
sure, this is what I've been waiting for. And you get the little B and then it's just kind of like, okay, that was really cool. But it's, uh, again, I'll, I just, I was talking about this the other day with two of my friends. It's the stick of gum that used to be in the baseball cards that you'd buy where you'd chew it twice and all the flavor was gone. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like he just, he shows up, he throws a spear through his arm and then again, though, you can't even focus on Sub-Zero and Scorpion. You, oh, geez, we got to watch Cole Young break his family out of ice. Like, ooh, how exciting. Which, it was, by the way, the, every cell in their body would have been frozen. They would have been dead. Like, if you're frozen in ice like that, you're not coming back. You're dead. Like, let's just right. let's just get that out of the way. Well, um, he, he I, had his magical, you know, Power Rangers gold shield on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um the final fight i think is probably the best fight of the whole film um i actually think it's the best cinematography of any of the fights of the film there's there's little moments there's you know one of the things i always look for in fight scenes especially hand-to-hand combat scenes or or scenes that don't involve firearms i guess um i'm looking for creativity show me something i've never seen before um you know, and that's and that's why I really enjoy a lot of what Marvel gives us consistently. It's you know they they really do a great job. You know, I, I point out Ant Man a lot. You know, when when you see the fight scenes and him using the growing yep. and shrinking mechanic, I mean, it's so well done, so creative, and I and I love what they do with it. It's it's really well done, and I think they do the same thing with Spider Man. I, I think it's really really well done there. Um, you know, so you've got a character who can freeze things. You've got another guy who's who's got the spear. Uh, show me something I haven't seen. And we kind of get that where there's the uh, the bit of blood that goes sprained everywhere and Sub-Zero freezes it and turns that into a knife and stabs him with his own blood. Um, that's kind of interesting. And, and we haven't really seen that before. Um, do I rank that, even though I say this is my favorite fight of the film, do I rank that like in my top 20 film fights that I've ever seen? Nope. Like, I don't even, I don't know what I would call my top 20, but I can tell you this one ain't in it. I think um, I'll reference, I'll reference it again. I think Johnny Cage versus Scorpion from Mortal Kombat 1995. I think it beats this fight. Yep. I haven't seen that movie in a long time and I'm just going to say, yep. Yeah. Like again, it's, it's the best fight out of the bunch. But again, when Again, when it's the best fight out of the worst, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's great. Um, And that's, again, like we said, that's the problem because this certainly, there are breadcrumbs everywhere that this could have been great. But like you said, it suffers from an identity crisis. It is too reliant to trying to set up a universe that they couldn't say, well, Again, let's just make the best possible film that we can. And then because we're going to do that, we'll be, you know, we'll be lucky to get a sequel because the fans will want it. Not, well, if you want to know what's going to happen, you're going to have to get us like you're going to have to give us a sequel. That's what I can't stand. A sequel should be because the fans want it. And I just recently saw that with A Quiet Place 2 where I went and saw that in the theater and I mentioned it. God, it was great to be back in the theater, but 
Uh, a Quiet Place 2 is a sequel because fans wanted it, and John Krasinski came back because he didn't want the studio creating something that he wasn't going to be behind because he had no intention for doing a sequel the fans wanted it and he said well i do have ideas but i didn't want to get you know i I didn't want to get caught on that train but that's a movie where he set out to make the best film he could and because he made such a great film fans said well you got to tell us more about this universe like what what happened how did these creatures come to earth how did you know what transpired here um and i will be doing a review on that movie just a quick little sidebar spoiler alert it is fantastic um absolutely amazing movie but rob that's my biggest problem like i said with mortal Kombat, is it's it's a movie that says if you want to know what's going on you have to have a sequel not well, the fans would want one. It's well, you have to get one. I hundred percent agree. And I, I kind of have some thoughts. So Shang Tsung doesn't really towards the end of this, doesn't really seem that bothered at how many of his henchmen got taken out. Nope. Um, <laughs> doesn't seem to bother him. And just kind of playing with the idea, like one of the biggest aspects of Shang Tsung from the games that we do not see explored, referenced, we don't see it even hinted at, no, not so much as the speck of a breadcrumb, is his ability to morph into any of the other characters and change uh, into, you know, he's a shapeshifter. Um, right. I wonder if we will see that in the second film and he will assume, you know, the, the persona of some of these characters uh, that we saw, or perhaps he reincarnates their souls or something like that. Um, you know, I, I think that um, it'd be a shame if we don't get more Kano in the second film, I'm going to be totally bummed out about that. Um, and it would feel weird to have a series of Mortal Kombat films. That's not, um, that doesn't have the the tension and the, and the conflict between Scorpion and Sub-Zero. Um, you know, Sub-Zero certainly plays a huge role in the, in, you know, the second, third games and, and so on and so forth in the lore. He's, he's a major, he's a major character, you know, leaving the Lin Kuei and, and doing some of the other thing, you know, he fights without the mask. And then at some point they turn him into a robot too. And it's not the original Sub-Zero. It is this one, you know, it's like they do a lot with him. It would be weird, uh, if he's, if he's not around, if they decide to continue on with this world. Yeah. Uh, there's certainly a lot that happens to him, um, but, you know, ultimately, again, just a movie that the, the breadcrumbs are there. It's just unfortunate that you can't find all of them to make this a good movie. But, Rob, I'd like to ask a, a few questions here and go through. Um, better Sonya Blade, 1995 or the new one? Ooh, I'm I'm probably gonna say the new one just because I I, I really did like what she did um, with the character and, and was really a bright spot for me, um, but I'd have to rewatch the '95 one again before I would feel really confident in that. Um, but I feel I think you're gonna go '95, aren't you? Uh, actually, no. Um, I would go. I thought Sonya in the 95 one was really good. I do really like this version of Sonya. So I would nod yeah. to this one. Uh, one that is 100% in favor of the original movie, Liu Kang. 
I think the guy that plays yep. Liu Kang in this movie, uh, again, nothing against him. I just don't buy it. And that's because, you know, the original is, to me, he was absolutely spot on perfect uh, as Liu Kang. A lot of bad dialogue for him in this one. Um, you know, I haven't seen this actor in anything else where I can really gauge whether or not um, he's serviceable, he's good, he's not good. But um, the, most of the dialogue he was given was crap um, and, and just didn't make a lot of sense. Uh, so 95 for me on Liu Kang. Better Shang Tsung. Ooh, um, I'm going to have to push. I um, I might favor 95 just because we get more of him. Um, we don't really get a lot of Shang Sun in this one, you know, nowhere near enough for what I think I'd like. Um, right. And I think he, I think the 95 version really plays up the silliness of it and, and, and revels in it and goes with it. Yeah. Uh, better Raiden. Oh, um, 95 hands yeah. down. Yes. 95 for me, uh, hands down as well. Uh, I won't count Jax because he was not in until the second movie and we just can't count anything in terms of acting in the second movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think that I, I, th I think we're both in agreement. Better Goro. Uh, it, I mean, that's, that's having to say that there was a good one. Um, it, it looked better in the 95 version. And he didn't yeah, look it, good then. Right. In terms of look, I still think he is better. Um, there's more backstory to them. So this might be an obvious answer, but better Scorpion and Sub-Zero. Um, 95. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think we got it. I think there was some compelling things they were trying to do with those two in this. Uh, the, 2021 version focuses like we've said entirely too much on cole young we don't get enough of the characters that we the fans have grown up loving and adoring and wanting to see more of and and 95 gave us that yeah i i would agree i think the the outfits for 2001 for scorpion sub-zero are better i do I like Scorpion and Sub-Zero better in 1995, though. Um, again, Rob, if you... Yeah. I'd be very interested when, if and when you go back and watch the original Mortal Kombat, what your feelings are seeing it now. Because, um, again, this... I said, this movie makes me appreciate that movie a lot more, and I was so surprised when I went back and watched it. How, like how much enjoyment I actually get out of that movie where again, I don't get as much enjoyment out of this movie as I do that version of mortal Kombat. I'm fairly certain. It's still on HBO max right now. Uh, yeah. Um, there's a lot of mortal Kombat stuff on HBO max, including the mortal Kombat television show, which is painfully hilariously awful <laughs> um it is just one of the worst things i've ever seen but for the best um in terms of so bad it is good which rob quick little sidebar you might be surprised to know this uh it's called mortal Kombat conquest but can you take one wild guess she's in ghost rider 
who makes an appearance in an entire episode in that show. Ooh, um, Jessica Alba? Mm, no, Eva Mendez. Oh, okay. Yeah, I oh, remember boy. watching this show like way back when it first came out, um, which it actually uses stock footage of Mortal Kombat Annihilation um, in the <laughs> in the show, um, which is funny. It's hysterical. Um, but I remember watching it way back in the day and then re-watching it, and I was like, oh, I got to go back through and just watch this. And I remember seeing her going, wow like this like this was before she was like well known but it was just it was so funny seeing like anybody that i recognize like being a part of this show like why would you do this <laughs> like you can't have that same agent still there's no way like <laughs> <laughs> but it, uh, like that's that's somebody who doesn't have your best interest at heart. So <laughs> no, but they they clearly are not looking at the script, right? Exactly. So Rob, where where does this movie stand for you, man? So I watched it originally when it came out on HBO Max, and I didn't love it on my first watch through. Um, I still feel very much the same after having a chance to rewatch it recently, um, I liked it a little better on my second watch through. And I'll tell you why um, the entire time you're kind of waiting for the tournament. Like that's what you think it's building towards. And, and your climax is Scorpion versus Sub-Zero in the frozen, you know, MMA gym. Like that's your climax. And you're thinking it's, it's going to be a face off between, you know, maybe Raiden and Shang Tsung or somebody in Shang Tsung. Like you're thinking that's your climax. You're thinking that it's going to eventually give you a tournament. Um, and it doesn't. And it's it's all of the other things that lead up to it. So on a second watch through when when you already know what to expect, um, it's it's better on the second watch through for me. Um I think it on my first watch, it was a two and a half, two maybe. Um, second time through, I'm giving it a three and I'm, I think I'm being maybe a little generous. This is, um, I don't know if I've gone to three quarter stars. It might actually be a two and three quarter. Um, but I, I'm going to feeling a little bit generous. I'm going to call it a three, three reels. Yeah. Um, the first time I watched it, like I said, I was with a group, so it wasn't, it was more about the experience of being with a bunch of friends and watching this. So I was a little bit distracted from it. The second time I watched it again, it wasn't any better for me than the first time, just because I literally was just watching it by myself and I didn't have that interaction. I would say though, that Rob, I'd agree with you. Uh, I'm going to give this three reels. I did give it three stars on uh, my letterbox account where you just can rate and review movies. Uh, but that's probably being a little generous. Uh, it's not good. I certainly still would check out a sequel. Like, look, there's, there's some potential there. Could they course correct and make a good second movie? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think that's entirely impossible, but they definitely would have uh, a lot of work to do. And they'd really in the second one for me, Rob, like you said, they would have to decide what type of movie it is. 
if you take Kano out of this movie or you write him differently, this movie is one and a half stars, I think. Um, it, when when you get to the second one, uh, rectifying its identity crisis, what are you really trying to do? Um, how many characters are you trying to push into this film? Um, at times, this feels like there's too many characters because Kung Lao, does, does he have any? Like, I don't even know if we've said his name, really. Uh, maybe once when we're talking about his, you know, his fatality. But right. outside of the of his fatality, um, uh, you know, when he cuts her in half with his hat, like he has no character development at all. Liu Kang um, is a is a piece of paper, you know. Like that's you know he's he's got no dimension, no depth. Um, you know, do we really know a lot about Raiden? No, I mean, there's 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 like nothing of most of these characters um you know the most interesting and compelling are sonia and kano um outside of that i i don't really find that many other characters in this whole film to be of any interest or, or compelling even a little bit yeah no i mean again two mainstays of mortal Kombat and people who have this deep history in mortal Kombat, kung lao and Liu Kang are afterthoughts, uh, especially, I mean, Kung Lao, but especially Liu Kang. Like you said, he's he's paper. He's like a stand-in in this movie, and he's still a relevant main character even to this day uh, in Mortal Kombat 11. And he has a huge part in the DLCs for that game, but in this, he's regulated to just being like, Oh, you know the name, so he's in the movie. Which, again, I I don't understand the studio's just bullheadedness of no, we want this original character in the game. I mean, or in the movie, because that's the other thing too. Like, what do you like? I don't know. Are, are you going to put Cole Young as a DLC character in Mortal Kombat? Like. Nobody's paying for that. Like nobody would. Nobody cares. Nobody yep. wants to see that guy. Um, so the fact that you had to take just just unrelatable character to me and shoehorn into this shoehorn him into this movie when you had enough people to pick from. I mean, bro, you said uh, Ultimate MK3. I mean, that had what sixty four characters in it. Oh God. I, um... I don't even remember. There was, I don't think it was that many, but there was, there was quite a few. I mean, it was every, because when you went from two to three, not everybody made the jump from two to three, but the ultimate edition of three, everybody was there. Um, Baraka was kind of my guy for MK2. Um, loved using that character. And then when they moved to three, he wasn't included, but the ultimate edition, he was, um, you know, thinking about a second film, if they, if they green light it and let's assume they will, um, I would say he's probably the character I'm most interested to see if they can find a really interesting way to bring him in uh, that we didn't see. I'd, I'd like to see him and I'd like to see uh, Sector and, and Cyrax. Um, I'd like to see if they decide to do them as their ninja form or their cyborg form um, and what they do with it, because I think the energy net could be pretty sweet. Uh, I think the rocket Ooh, yeah. launchers coming out of the chest, that could be pretty sweet if they if they know how to use it. Um because I don't think, like, you can't present that seriously. Like, you just can't. Uh, what about you, Matt? Is there characters that um, that you're thinking from the, the Mortal Kombat rosters uh, you'd love to see in a, in a subsequent film? 
Uh, I would really like to see smoke. Um, I would love to see, I mean, really, I would have loved to see more cabal. I thought he was awesome. Yeah. I would, re- depending on which version, because the newer games, I would love to see rain. He has been awesome. Uh, again, if you're going to go campy, and again, it's later games, but bring in Ermac because if, if you've played any of these games with these characters, man, there's just so many things that you could do if you just want to be all out. Look, this is a Mortal Kombat movie, and this is about people just kicking the crap out of each other with really cool fights and really cool fatalities. Some of those guys have some really, really interesting moves and things that if done right on screen, again, I don't even think you need a relative story. You are just going to be captivated by what you're seeing on the screen. So I think there's a ton of potential to still, like I said, do a second movie and be good. You just have to decide which way that you're going and commit to it. And if it doesn't work, then I guess it didn't work, but you can't, try and take a left and a right at the same time. 100% agree. So that's my thoughts on that. Rob, anything that you want to close out with here before we say uh, goodbye to the listeners and kind of talk about a couple of things coming up? Uh, well, we've got Loki coming up for sure. Uh, but just, you know, um, so I'm definitely looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to more MCU content. Uh, but just as a quick thank you to all the listeners, if you're, if you're new to the show, uh, thank you. Thank you so much for listening. There's a very deep, robust year long catalog of, of content to choose from. Um, so definitely go check those out. Uh, hit up Matt on Facebook, uh, on Instagram, on TikTok, uh, pod chaser. You can leave a review. So definitely do that. You can also email the show, Matt, what is the show's email address? If listeners would like to contact you. So that is actually, uh, all this will be in the notes as well, but the email for the show is basically the abbreviation of the show title. So Matt goes to the movies. The email will be M G. TTM at Gmail, or sorry, I almost forgot (laughs) my own email. It's MGTTM podcast at gmail.com. Again, all of this contact information will be uh, inside the show notes, email, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, There's uh, TikTok videos that we do for the show. Uh, We have some video stuff on YouTube as well. So there's a lot of ways to contact the show. Uh, We had some really good interactions with the Star Wars anniversary show that we did, which was a ton of fun talking with listeners and just hearing about experiences with Star Wars. So we always love the interaction. Hit up the show. Uh, Loki's coming out soon. We'll look forward to doing that. We are anticipating being able to do that again with Harrison from the Basement Binge. Uh, Certainly repeat listeners of this show would know who he is as we've done uh, WandaVision with him, which was a lot of fun. He's been on the show a couple times in some uh, solo episodes that I've done. So a lot of stuff coming up. Uh, I also do have two shows that I'm going to be doing before Loki. Uh, one on A Quiet Place 2 and the other one on Spiral from the Book of Saw. Uh, both movies that I went to go see in the theater now that they're open. 
Uh, really looking forward to talking about just being back in the theater and what I thought of those two movies. So, Rob, thank you again. Thank you to the listeners. Yep. Again, if, if, if you're a first-time listener, uh, thank you. If you're a repeat listener, thank you as well. We always love doing this, and we'll look forward to seeing you real soon on Matt Goes to the Movies.